changing the government of God. Changing the government of God into the likeness of the human was not admissible. The subjects of God's government were forbidden all affiliation or alliance with the human governments. It was a still more heinous sin to pattern the divine after the human, or dovetail the human into the divine. This changed, corrupted, and perverted the divine. Even when the appointments and institutions ordained by God to secure justice and maintain righteousness between man and man were perverted into instruments of injustice and oppression, and those selected to administer justice took bribes and perverted judgment, and the elders and children of Israel sought relief in a kingly government which seemed to them to be working well among the nations, and to their sanctified common sense seemed good to them, God pronounced it a fearful rebellion against him and his government. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways." Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not be king over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt even unto this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit thou shalt protest solemnly unto them, and shalt show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 9 Samuel then warned and protested, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He shall take your sons and appoint them unto him for his chariots and to his horsemen, and they shall run before his chariots, and he will appoint them unto him for captains of thousands and captains of fifties, and he will set some to plough his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and the instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed, and of your vineyards, and give them to his officers, and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men, and your asses, and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye shall have chosen, and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to hearken unto the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, and go out before us and fight our battles." And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. 1 Samuel 8, verses 11 through 22. In this it is clearly taught, 1. 
To seek to change an appointment of God even when perverted by bad men to wicked ends is a grievous sin, a rejection of God, a following another God. 2. God ordains for men what they persistently desire even if it is an institution that displaces His appointments and overthrows His rule. 3. He ordains it as a punishment for rejecting Him and His government, as a way through which they are made to eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. 4. All of God's ordinances are not necessarily good or desirable for His children, but are good for the end and work for which He appoints them. 5. He ordains one class of institutions through which to bless His obedient servants. He ordains a different class for punishing the disobedient. Each is good for the work for which it is ordained. Each is equally the ordinance of God. Please remember these. God ordained the Jews a king, not because it was best for them or promotive of their good, but to punish them. They rebelled against him, were reckless and persistent in that rebellion, and he ordained the kingdom as a punishment for that rebellion. The king was given as they desired, but God warned them that he would be a burden and a punishment to them for their sin in desiring to change the laws and appointments of God. Their kings, despite an occasional good one, led them further from God, deeper and deeper into sin and rebellion, led them into idolatry, involved them continually in war and strife, brought them into frequent alliances with the rebellious and idolatrous nations of earth that supported human government, all of which brought upon them the desolations of their country, the consuming of their substance, the destruction of their cities, the slaughter of their armies, the captivity and enslavement in foreign lands of their people. When these afflictions, instead of driving them back to God and to His institutions, led them farther from Him, more and more to forget Him, and made them more and more rebellious against Him, He took from them their king and country, left them without a head, and destroyed them as a nation. In view of these things, Hosea exclaims in chapter 13 and verses 9 through 11, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? And thy judges, of whom thou hast said, Give me a king and princes. I gave thee a king in mine anger, and took him away in my wrath. This plainly teaches that to supplant the divine with the human, to copy after the human, or to add the human to the divine, was to reject God, to incur His anger, and to bring upon themselves the destruction of God's fierce wrath. He tolerated them for a time so as to give them an opportunity to return to Him. When the afflictions brought upon them failed to do this, He took from them their earthly head, their king, destroyed them as a nation, and scattered them among all people from the one end of the earth even to the other. They did not cease to worship God. They were still very zealous in that service, but they had introduced the human government into the divine institution and divided their fealty between God and the human government. This was their destruction. God's dealings with the Jews farther prove that He often ordains and regulates institutions which He does not approve or ordain for the good of His people or for His own glory, but which He tolerates or ordains and directs for the punishment of rebellion and rejection of Him, 
and often out of this while destroying the wicked he brings good to his faithful children. He so overrules that the ordinance that works evil to the rebellious brings good to the faithful. But the point before us is that God neither permitted the subjects of his government to form alliances or affiliate with the human governments or consort with their subjects nor to participate in their affairs to sustain and uphold them. Nor did he permit them to introduce the human order into his government. Every alliance with, participation in, or adoption of the human into the divine met with the stern condemnation and punishment of God. Isaiah chapter 30 verses 1 through 4 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, and that cover with a covering but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt, your confusion. And verse 7 reads, For Egypt helpeth in vain, and to no purpose. Therefore have I called her Rahab that sitteth still. That is, whenever God's children sought the alliance of a human government or institution for help and for good to them, that help became the means of their confusion and the occasion of their shame. It was a distrust of God who proposed to their strength, their shield, and their exceeding great reward. And God was a zealous God, and would not permit His children to seek other help than His own, and in and through His own government. The remainder of Isaiah chapter 30 and 31 repeat and enforce this truth so clearly taught, and where God gives no direction, His children should sit still. Do nothing. Indeed, this lesson is indelibly stamped on every page and chapter of the record of God's dealings with the Jewish people. The one great purpose of God's dealings with the children of Israel was to teach them to serve Him in His appointments, to trust Him implicitly and faithfully, to have no part nor lot in the kingdom and institutions of man's make and build and that in doing thus the omnipotent strength of the living God was pledged to their defense and success, that when they trusted the institutions and governments of man's make, they always brought them to confusion and ruin. What Human Governments Do for Man in this description given by Samuel of what this human government would be and do to the Jews, God clearly describes what it does and is to all people. Every human government uses the substance, the time, the service of the subjects to enrich, gratify the appetites and lusts, and to promote the grandeur and glory of the rulers. And it is not true that in democratic or any other kind of governments the people themselves are rulers. They choose the rulers at the instigation of a few interested leaders, then these rulers rule for their own selfish good and glory as other rulers do. The picture here drawn is not that of the worst and most despotic forms of government among the ignorant and degraded, but as it would and did exist among the Jewish people with the best rulers that could be found. 
The substance of the people is, under forms of law taken now for the personal gratification and the display of our rulers, just as Samuel told it would be in the Jewish nation. The licentiousness, lewdness, the wars growing out of rivalry of different aspirants to rule and of the desolation and bloodshed growing out of national rivalries are not mentioned by Samuel. He gave a picture of the mildest and best human governments as contrasted with the divine. The rulers of the human oppress the subjects for their own benefit. The ministers of the divine government deny themselves for the good of the subjects. Jesus declares this. Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, their subjects, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give himself a ransom for many. Matthew 20, verse 25. Here the inherent distinction between the two governments is marked and emphasized. Man, in setting aside the government of God and forming one of his own, cut himself off from the blessing, the service, the strength, the help that God bestows on the subjects of his government, and took on himself the burdens and oppressions and oppressors imposed by the human governments. But it is a decree of the Almighty that when man chooses his own way, he shall eat of the fruit of that way. Because I called you and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Proverbs 1, verse 24. So long as men refuse the rule of God, God ordains they shall be ruled by their own governments and eat the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices, showing clearly that when men turn from the government of God to their own inventions and governments, then God ordains these governments as means of punishing them for their rebellion, and while thus punishing them, they are God's ordinances for this work, and none shall resist them. In doing so, they are resisting the ordinance of God. But it is not in man to form government in which the selfish element will not prevail, and which will not be used to tax and oppress the ruled for the glory and aggrandizement of the rulers.